Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Martin studio today. I'm Darren Hefty. And I'm Brian Hefty. Thanks for joining us. Today on the show, we're going to talk a little about wheat seed treatments. And I realize you might say, what? What are we talking about wheat seed treatments for at this time of year? Well, it's not all that long. We have um, less than two months until quite a few people will be seeding winter wheat in the United States. And so we wanted to just discuss this a little bit and then also talk about the reasons why someone would consider this anytime they're seeding wheat. So if you're having some issues in your wheat right now, if let's say it was spring wheat, thinking back to, okay, if we would have done a wheat seed treatment, would this have helped or would it not have? So we'll get into some of those things throughout the show today. If you've got any questions for us, just give us a call, 844-44-AG-PHD. Again, that's 844-442-4743. You could also email us, radio at agphd.com, or send us a note on Twitter, agphdmedia, Darren Hefty or Brian Hefty. All right, we'll get to the Ag PhD mailbag in just a minute here. Before we do, I just wanted to say with this wheat seed treatment thing, we really have three main categories that we're going to be talking about today. It's fungicides, insecticides, and then naturals, as we call them. Some people say biologicals. You could also throw plant growth hormones in there too. But three separate categories. We are big believers in wheat seed treatments because in most cases, they're very inexpensive. I'm not going to say that they pay all the time, but what I would tell you is, and especially if you're using something or multiple products in all three categories, you give yourself a lot more chances to win that, in other words, chances that one of those things is going to hit. And I, I just, the way I look at it is if I'm pushing my yield, I've got a good opportunity for, for price. I, I mean, the price of wheat is pretty good moving forward. Hopefully it remains that way. We'll see. But when, when I'm looking at that, I say, okay, it's not going to take a lot of bushels to give me a decent return on investment. And it's a way to protect my wheat. So I'm certainly interested. So anyway, we will talk about those three categories, fungicides, insecticides, and biologicals or naturals coming up here. But right now, let's hit the Ag PhD mailbag. It's the mailbag! First question comes from Scott. He says, I want to start applying PNK fertilizer in the fall. Would you recommend applying previous crops removal or what the next crop needs? I would then plan on PNK building along with some urea in the spring. My soil test averages right now for phosphorus are in the 20 part per million range, and the potassium is in the 160s. Okay, so here's usually the way we look at this thing. At first, if let's say it's your first time soil testing in a long time, you don't really know for sure what's out there, or if you just flat out know, hey, I have low levels then usually what we're going to say is you want a soil test, and I would really strongly encourage you small grids or zones, like one acre, two acre, whatever, versus five acre or 10 acre or composite tests, in my opinion, are mostly a waste of time, where you take one sample in the whole field. You're just guessing, really. That that's It's slightly better than guessing. But anyway, my point is, the reason why I like soil testing first and then fixing any problems is because that's the opportunity to do that. Otherwise, in either of those methods where you said, okay, I'm going to replace what I removed 
or I'm going to put on what I think next year's crop is going to give us. Um, I'm not saying either one of those is bad or in other situations it might fit. But at first, I want to get all areas in that field balanced and up to the level I want. So when I hear 20 parts per million on phosphorus, I mean, I don't know what your yield goal is, but that wouldn't satisfy my need for phosphorus, nor would 160, uh, I don't remember if you said, I assume you said parts per million there, Darren, but whether either way, parts per million or pounds per acre, and that's probably not going to cut it. But I don't know the rest of your soil information, so it's really hard for me to say. But let me give you one real quick example. Okay, so years ago, this is, I'm going to say back in the year 2000 or 2001, somewhere in there. This is one of the first times where I said, you know, we got to really build stuff up. And I was talking to Dick Goff, who was with Midwest Labs at the time. And I'm like, okay, Dick, look at my soil tests. I'll do anything. I just want higher yields. <laughs> and he had me put on a ridiculous, what I felt was a ridiculous amount of P and K at the time. Now we've done even more than that in some cases. But anyway, the point is, it was my own fault because I only focused on P and K and I didn't look at zinc. And well, we got more yield almost immediately we were having zinc deficiencies. And it's like, oh my goodness, I, I just, I wasn't even thinking about it. So that's the reason why I want to fix problems first. After that, then yeah, you can look at it either way. Definitely you want to replace what you've removed. So then at least you're not falling behind. But you could also look at it as, well, I want to make sure that I have enough out there for next year. The, the reason why I'm not super big on the let's put enough out for next year is, well, in some areas in the field, you might have had low yield. You didn't remove much. You might have quite a bit of fertility out there already. So there's no point putting on way more than what you need and, and what could potentially get you out of balance also. So anyway, now I'd probably lean more toward the replace what I just pulled off the field. And then if you can do that variable rate through the field, that's fantastic. All right. Thanks for the question. Then uh, get this one in from Jonathan. He said, we're spraying R3 soybeans, so just starting to put pods on here down in the southeast. How do you decide between the three mode of action fungicide products, and are those products worth the price difference? Yeah, what's avail I, I'm going to look at, first of all, what's available, because not everything may be available. And then price absolutely enters in. Beyond that... I don't see like a dramatic difference usually in one three mode of action product versus another, but just try some out on your farm and see, and then you can kind of prove it to yourself. Uh, I will say when possible, try to pick newer modes of action because typically the newer ones that come out are usually better, but you can also look at whatever disease you're after and be make sure you have something that's good on the disease. So for example, not all products, all fungicides are good on sclerotinia white mold, whereas some are real good. So those are the factors I'd look at. Stay tuned. We'll talk wheat seed treatments next. In his last will and testament, Robert has bequeathed to his only heir and devoted caretaker one-third of his house, a third of his truck, and a third of his beloved dog, Mr. Bo here. Uh, excuse me, I'm a little confused. Don't settle for a fraction of what you deserve, especially at harvest. Yield your best with Veltima fungicides proven plant health benefits and revolutionary application flexibility. One-third of a dog. Right. Get everything you deserve with Veltima fungicide. From BASF, always read and follow label directions.
You can count on AgroLiquid for precision crop nutrition. When you don't get all your potash down in the fall, when weather or market prices change your management strategy, or when you want to balance your fertilizer program with micronutrients, AgroLiquid is ready with the products and application flexibility you want for in-season crop nutrition and the research-proven results you need. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Good morning and hallelujah! Watch it. My spray and pray days are over! What's with Randy? Oh, he's just amped. <laughs> we feel heaven Amped? Yeah, he ordered that new Battalion Amp herbicide from UPL. They're calling it the new gold standard. This is the greatest day in herbicidal history! So, how can I... Get amped? Just go to battalionamp.com. It's gonna be a good year! Always read and follow label directions. Corn rootworms are called the billion-dollar bug for a reason. If you don't control the adult populations now, their offspring will cost you later. Steward EC Insecticide from FMC offers a unique mode of action that delivers fast and long-lasting residual control of corn rootworm beetles and other tough insects. Choose Steward EC Insecticide from FMC. Always read and follow label directions and precautions for use. back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We're broadcasting from the Morton studio today and taking your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. We've got Curtis Rainbolt with us right now with BASF to talk a little about wheat seed treatments. Curtis, thanks for joining us. Uh, thank you. Thanks for having me. You know, it seems like we're right in the middle of the growing season here, but as wheat makes it out of the field, guys start thinking about, all right, it won't be too long. We'll be seeding wheat again, and there's definitely been some advancement in seed treatments. I I think it's fantastic from growing up in a state where there wasn't a whole lot of wheat seed treatment being used to now most guys are not only using wheat seed treatment, but wondering, well, what's new, and is there something that gives me even more benefit? That's a nice turnaround. Yeah, it is a nice change. I think maybe wheat was often neglected for, for, for years and certainly maybe in some slightly lower yielding areas than others, but uh, there's a wide range of options now. And and you're also right, right? It's, it seems a little bit early. That's well, that's what I thought about the call, but then I got to thinking, well, guys are going to get super busy in the field here with harvest and things soon. This is probably a good time to sit down and start thinking about some of those things that are that are out there and learning about them. Well, and, and, you know, you look at just, just with your company and obviously BSF's got just a ton of products. You look at the advancements in fungicides, you look at some of the new insecticide things coming out. You're always working on uh, some other things too. Uh, what, what are some of the new things that we should be looking at? Because, you know, we often see, all right, well, here's this combination where you've already put it all together for us, but there's some components in there that are pretty darn important and it's kind of nice to understand what they do. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for asking that. So, you know, BSF, the foundation of, of our seed treatment fungicide package is, is the same as our foliar fungicide. That's, we call it F500, but that's a headline component, uh, which is, you know, really broad spectrum disease control, but really also critical from a plant health and stress tolerance standpoint. So that's really the, the foundation of most of our seed treatment. Uh, but we have that as a solo offering. And we also have it in a four-way fungicidal package, which really you know, there's a metal axle in there. We cover all of our bases uh, from, from Pythium and the wide range of diseases. And so 
that Stamina F4 product is kind of our all-in-one container. But we do have some newer things um, to build on that and, and increase, um, frankly, yield potential. And, and depending on the disease pressure you have, you know, you'll see, you know, just a lot cleaner results and, and potentially a very large yield increase. One of those is Relenia, um, which is powered by our molecule Revisol, which um, growers might know from brands such as uh, Veltima, uh, and uh, Revitech. Um, but that really, for fall wheat, brings us a high level of dwarf bunt control. Uh, in addition to that, we've seen really good activity on uh, Fusarium and Rhizoc increased over what we see with our standard F4. Yeah, it's a big deal. And there are a lot of different diseases. And I know some guys say, well, I'm raising wheat in a dry area. And there's diseases that hit you in a dry area. And, and yeah, there's some, some different ones sometimes than what hits a guy in a wet area. But you also don't know exactly what you're going to get. You can put wheat out there in relatively dry soil and you can get a bunch of rain. Or in the case of winter wheat, you can get a bunch of snow and, and things can change a lot. You're right. I, I really, you, you know, you hate to always buy insurance, but but I think of it as an insurance. And part of my, you know, belief in that is I'll put out trials across, I'm located in Idaho, but I'll put out trial, trials across the Pacific Northwest. And you don't always see obvious differences between those treatments in the field, but you do when there's a stress. And we really can't predict what stress is going to occur. It could be that long winter where we've got more snow on the ground. Um, it could be, you know, we're dry, we get a slow start, those plants aren't as strong as they should be going into winter. And then you're exactly right on the diseases. There's there's a lot of variation in, you know, in the rhizoctonia that's out there. And some of it thrives better in drier conditions, some in wetter conditions. So really the best way to account for all that risk and, and the potential things that can happen is to have a good broad spectrum package like, like a stamina F4. Well, for growers that haven't done this before, haven't seen the difference, I remember the first year that the Stamina product came out with just the, the F500 driving the the package, and I had a grower in Montana that had put it out on half a field, and something happened that, uh, well, we ran out or whatever, and, and so they had a part of the field that didn't get a seed treatment on, and they had tan spot to the line, uh, where they didn't put the seed treatment on and where they did put it on, they had nothing. And they're like, wow, the wheat looks so, so good. And that was the last <laughs> time they did a, a, a trial, whether intentional or not intentional. They're like, we will stop until we get more seed treatment to make sure that we can put it on everything. So it definitely makes a difference. And now you say uh, the advancements here. We're talking about four different fungicides in, in just a, a regular standard package like that that's – it's really changed a lot, and we've been talking here with Curtis Rainbolt from BSF about some of those changes along the way. Curtis, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. I know it's a little early to talk wheat seed treatment, but you're right. It's time to get prepared. Yep. Take care. Thanks. Uh, i got Marcus Weatherhead on with us right now with Corteva. Marcus, how you doing? Good, Darren. Thanks for having me. Uh, I was just bringing up your state of Montana a little bit and, and just talking through, yeah, we don't think we're going to have a big disease problem. And then all of a sudden you do. You get just the right conditions for something like tan spot or uh, there's any number of diseases out there. that That's a big deal if, if you can have some protection. Yeah, yeah, you bet. You know, I mean, you, you just never know what you're going to have. I mean, it always comes with scouting. But the seed applied, the seed applied technologies space has been really exciting the last uh, few years, especially in the high plains. I mean, people treating their seed treatments like they treat their herbicides anymore, you know, really diagnosing what problems they have and then, and then really putting a fit to whatever active ingredient they need for that space. It's been a, 
it's been an exciting time to be here. Yeah. Well, we've seen growers boosting uh, insecticide rates up to try to control wireworms a little better. We've seen adding in different fungicides, and and clearly there's a lot of fantastic fungicide active ingredients out there that that growers can choose from. And I like the way you put it, treating it more like the herbicide application, where they're really looking at okay, which one do I want a little bit more protection on, and can I boost my rhizot control? Can I boost something else here along the way? Right, right. And I think that's where, you know, Luma via CPL, being able to, uh, you know, diagnose what problems you have. And then not only just the problems you have, but also the, the, the level of infestation that you have, right? I mean, anytime you have a chance of throwing multiple modes of action out the, out at whatever pest you have, one, you have better control, and two, you just, you're able to manage that pest a little more effectively um, than you would just by doing a standard rate or not diagnosing what, what is insects or, or pests you have in that situation, for sure. You know, there, there are a lot of different uh, insect pests and diseases that we're fighting. And as we reduce tillage, as we change these cropping rotations up, uh, it has made it a little bit more difficult, more critical to make those right decisions. What would you say are the big questions or the big drivers right now for, for growers in your geography that are pushing them one way or another on seed treatment? I think it's a matter of just getting their hands on it and, and just like you were talking earlier on being able to have growers see visually and from a yield monitor what the difference is, right? Getting their hands on it, being able to understand what the benefit of certain FSTs or ISTs bring to the table, right? Um, you know, when we when we talk Lumavia CPL, being able to have some grasshopper protection early season, even in fall and going into spring, it's give, given them a, a significant head start which leads to a more timely harvest and more yield at the end of the day. So uh, I would say making sure that the, the grower understands what problems they have and understanding that, yeah, we, we do, we are able to solve some moisture problems with some no-till. It may bring some other pests uh, along the way, but those are pests we can manage and, and we should uh, do a good job of, of using the right products to manage those, those problems. Well, I think about the size of a lot of these wheat farms too. There's so many acres. And like you mentioned, if we can take care of some of these problems or at least suppress a lot of these problems and buy us a little larger window to get back there with the foliar treatment, it's tough to get back across a ton of acres in a real hurry. Correct. Yeah. And I, and I don't know, Darren, I don't know one person that, that loves spraying pyrethroids around, especially during a cutworm <laughs> problem. Um, so it's nice yep. to be able to have some tools that, you know, by the time you see some of these problems, the, the damage is almost already done. And even some of the overtop applications can kind of be hit or miss. So being able to have a perfect come or have a, have a below ground, above ground, and definitely continue to scout and manage and, and possibly do an overtop application um, just buys you more time and it buys you, buys you more yield at the end of the day, in my opinion. Seed treatments are a big deal, and one of the crops that really benefits from them is wheat. Uh, we're talking with Marcus Weatherhead here with Corteva up in Montana. Marcus, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on. You bet. Thanks, Darren. Yeah. We'll talk more about wheat seed treatments and continue to take your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. Introducing our most advanced technology from Hypro, the 9915 series diaphragm pumps. Upgraded with corrosion-resistant materials and a multi-piston design to work longer and harder in any condition. Hypro, right on technology, right on target. From machine storage buildings and farm shops to dependable buildings to house your livestock, regardless of building size or use, Morton has a building for every budget. 
To learn how we can help you expand your farm operation, visit mortonbuildings.com. Growing up on the farm, I woke up as early as mom and dad. I put as many hours on the tractor, changed as many teeth on the tiller as my brothers. It doesn't matter if you're young or old, man or woman. When there's work to be done, you put your boots on and you do it. I do that on my farm and in my job at Case IH. My name is Kelsey, I'm a farmer, and I work for Case IH. Case IH, built by farmers. You won't want to miss this year's Ag PhD Field Day. I'm Darren Hefty. Each summer on the last Thursday in July, we open up our farm to you so you can learn more ways to improve your farm. And the Ag PhD Field Day just keeps getting bigger and better. This year, we're featuring guided tours of our extensive research plots, world premieres of the latest ag technologies, numerous panels of the highest yielding farmers on the planet, and more equipment running in our demo area than we've ever had before. We'll also have great family entertainment, including a kid's area, music, fantastic guest speakers, and food and drinks available all throughout the day. But the best part is everything is free. We know that you're busy and your time is valuable. That's why we do everything we can to make sure the Ag PhD Field Day is a very worthwhile investment of your time. So please, go to agphd.com to learn more and be sure to register to join us at this year's Ag PhD Field Day, Thursday, July 27th. Get uniform control in your fields with trusted, hardworking Lucento fungicide. Control the toughest diseases with a dual mode of action fungicide that consistently outperforms the competition and field trials. Lucento fungicide from FMC works overtime for lasting control to help improve crop yields. Talk about getting the job done. Visit your FMC retailer or lucento.ag.fmc.com for hardworking control in your fields. Always read and follow all legal directions. It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutricia and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. Talking a little about wheat seed treatments and taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. We've got a number of emails that have come in as well. I should probably remind you of that. Our email address, radio at agphd.com. If you have a tissue test or soil test or want to send us a picture or just don't want to talk about your question, you'd rather send it in, you can certainly do that too. Got our friend Kevin Matthews on now out in North Carolina. How you doing, Kevin? Doing great. How you doing? Pretty good. Pretty good. I was just talking to somebody a little bit north of you on the East Coast, and they said, man, we just can't get our wheat out of the field. It just keeps raining. And I said, I wish we had that problem just for a week. We could just take a week where it just <laughs> rained and rained. That would be fine with me. Uh, how about down there? You guys, the wheat's all out and uh, everything good? Yeah, there's still some wheat in the field. Some growers hadn't got out there. They're working hard at it in between rain showers. We had a to anywhere from an inch to three inches over the weekend, mostly yesterday. So 
very good timing on the corn and soybeans, and we've got all of our wheat in the bin, and we've got our double crop soybeans planted. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, that was the that was the other discussion: is how late can we go planting those double crop beans? And now, yeah, tough decisions. <laughs> you just you just get it done. <laughs> yeah, you know, and here's the thing: when when we're talking wheat seed treatments, you don't know: are you going to get weather like you're getting right now, or you get all kinds of rain, or is it going to turn dry? And a lot of growers have different issues, whether it's a, a bug that they're trying to fight, like wireworm or or a, a certain disease that they're after. How do you look at this wheat seed treatment market? Do you look at the same as you do corn and soybeans or a little bit differently? Yeah, you know, you know, wheat is a direct food consumption. So, you know, milling wheat, which is what we grow primarily here on the East Coast, and that, that's a big deal. It's got to be good quality. So, we're willing to spend a little bit more and I had this conversation earlier today with an excellent grower um, and he was, you know, what can we do to help our falling numbers? Um, Cause that's a big deal this year from all the rain and it, you got to have the best quality seed at the beginning of harvest that you can get and hope you get it all out before it rains on it. And your seed treatment is your first, that's your first part. You want good quality seed. But then you want a good um, seed treatment. For us, we use a fungicide and insecticide combination, and we want that that wheat coming out of the ground healthy and vigor and put as much defense in that we can. And, and it, you know, those seed treatments will carry on into, you know, so we're going to plant, let me clarify that, we're going to plant in August, September, October, depending on your geogra- geographical area. But... Um, then that seed treatment, it'll actually protect that plant all the way into January and, and sometimes February, depending on the rainfalls you get. So that's a lot of long, that's a lot of protection. It's almost half the season of, from the time you plant it to harvest. So don't, don't skip on seed treatments on wheat. You just cannot do it. Yeah, you think about the foliar applications of fungicide, and you'll spend more on one foliar pass than you will on that seed treatment. And the foliar pass gives you maybe two, possibly three weeks of protection. And you're right, you're getting months of protection at a really critical time when that plant can't defend itself too well. So, yeah, I, I do I do like that approach. And, you know, you get to work with so many growers through the Extreme Ag program, and I don't know if I would think about, gosh, I'm going to ask the guy out in North Carolina about wheat. I'm, I'm maybe thinking <laughs> Lee Lubers and you know, some of these guys out further west, but do you, get, do you take a lot of wheat questions? We actually do, and a lot of it is because of our rainfall and our climate. It's just harder to have a good quality high-protein wheat here and uh, so we're soft red winter wheat is what we're growing um we've tried the hard red but we can't get the protein that lee and you guys can get out there y'all just y'all can get those protein numbers up we can't do that here um effectively and consistently so the soft red is what we use and it, it does very well but you 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 know you need that wheat harvested by the time it gets 15 percent. if it ever gets to 13 and then gets wet again and then dry again wet again dry again the quality goes down so fast, especially with our heat and humidity that we have here. Yeah, lots of different challenges. You think, oh man, that sure be nice to catch that rain that Kevin gets, but you're you're absolutely right. That leads to a whole different set of challenges when it comes to wheat production. <laughs> and you know, here's the other thing too: crop rotation is a big deal, and um, everybody's got a little different situation there as to what other crops they can raise in their area. How do you work it into your rotation? 
so we, on our upland, which is rolling, uh, some of it's rather steep, um, much like what Western Iowa is. So what we will do there is where we need all that residue for our no-till, we target certain farms. We only do 500 acres of wheat a year. We want it so we can harvest and plant it in no more than five days. I don't care how many acres we got. We look at our fleet of equipment, and it, we're going to have one extra combine. So we're going to make sure that we can get it out of the field and get that acreage planted back in five days. Because generally, about five to eight days is about the most pretty weather you have at time of year that thunderstorms ain't knocking you out. And so it's just something that works for us. We used to grow a lot of wheat, uh, nearly 2,000 acres, and you just could not get those double crop beans planted by July 4th. And you need to be done July 1st any way possible. Preferably, we like to start on the 15th to 17th of June and be done by the 22nd. That's our goal. And in a perfect world, that's how it works. But we look where we need that residue for that next corn crop. So we're always thinking about the next two crops down the line where we're going to place that wheat. Yeah, it's a good strategy to, to always be looking ahead and, and trying to hit those windows the best you can. And cutting back on acres was the right answer for this crop. And it's it's tough to do, tough to make some of those decisions and make big changes to your operation. But certainly it's played out well for you. Now we're talking with Kevin Matthews with the Extreme Ag Group. He farms down in North Carolina. Kevin, thank you so much. You're always generous with your time. Really appreciate it. Hey, man, we appreciate all that you and you and your brother do for agriculture and look forward to seeing you out uh, in a couple weeks. Yeah, Ag PhD Field Day coming up right around the corner. And uh, one of the cool things at our field day, we get guys like Kevin to, to talk and you get to meet him uh, face-to-face. And, hey, guess what? Uh, he's just an actual farmer uh, <laughs> just like you and a real friendly guy to talk to as well. So if you get a chance, come to the Ag PhD Field Day this year. It's Thursday, July 27th. You can find all the details at agphd.com. Hey, Brent, had a fungicide question as we are talking about wheat seed treatments that came in. And uh, there are a oh, lot of yeah. Hold hold up though. Oh. I, I mean, we well, are we done? Because I I got some more on wheat seed treatments. Go Is ahead. this a wheat Go seed ahead. treatment yep. question? Nope. Nope. Okay. It's okay. Not specific to wheat. Go All ahead. right. So, I, I I guess in terms of insecticide, I just want to say. Make sure you get a neonic out there, but I would also use Taraxa if you're at all concerned about wireworms. So that's the insecticide conversation, and I know a lot of people have had wireworm issues. Taraxa will really help. It's definitely better than those neonics like Poncho, Gaucho, and uh, Cruiser. But when it comes to the fungicides, we could talk all day about fungicides. Our biggest piece of advice is use multiple effective modes of action. So in other words, use... And in a lot of cases, you'll be able to buy a combination product that's got three or even four different active ingredients in there, different kinds of fungicide that oftentimes can help. And you might think, oh my goodness, three or four, that's going to be expensive. Usually it's it's not. So just check around a little bit. Generally speaking, you can get that very inexpensively. And then the other piece is that naturals or biological side that we were talking about just a little bit earlier. And I would say try some things out. Like on our farm, we're using one product that's fungal endophytes that helps us in drought and salt and just basically stress conditions. And another product that's got a bunch of different microbes in there that help solubilize plant nutrients and help get that weed out of the ground a little faster. So both of those things have been really good. We've liked those in wheat and pretty much all small grains. So I, 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 again, I'm, I'm not saying, oh, hey, um, 
these are the only two products. There are lots out there. So just try some things. Some people will talk also about using some plant growth hormones. You can try that. Um, I just say planting winter wheat, I look at a lot differently than planting spring wheat. A lot of times when, when you're planting spring wheat, that soil's ridiculously cold. And then the fungicide can pay, in many cases, even better. Insecticide often pays a little bit better. Naturals, biologicals, sometimes a little better. But even here with winter wheat coming up, um, at least be trying some things because you'd be surprised. You will typically see things right to the line. Might not be a lot of yield gain, but enough to pay for that seed treatment. So give it a shot. We'll get to the Egg PhD mailbag next. Win the war against weeds in your soybean fields with fierce herbicides from Valent USA. With three different formulations and multiple modes of action, you're sure to find the right fierce product to protect your operation from tough weeds like Palmer Amaranth and Waterhemp. Give your soybeans a strong, clean start with up to eight weeks of residual control with the powerful pre-emergence protection of Fierce Herbicide. Ask your local retailer or visit valent.com fierce to find the right fierce formulation for you. Always read and follow label instructions. When it comes to cereal disease protection, Prosaro Pro 400 SC fungicide from Bayer makes all the difference. With three effective active ingredients for overlapping control of foliar and head diseases and a flexible application window for head scab, it's formulated to lower dawn, protect yield potential, and promote superior grain quality. Prosaro Pro, the future of plant health starts here. Visit prosaropro.com to learn more. Always read and follow grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. You won't want to miss this year's Ag PhD Field Day. I'm Darren Hefty. Each summer on the last Thursday in July, we open up our farm to you so you can learn more ways to improve your farm. And the Ag PhD Field Day just keeps getting bigger and better. This year, we're featuring guided tours of our extensive research plots, world premieres of the latest ag technologies, numerous panels of the highest yielding farmers on the planet, and more equipment running in our demo area than we've ever had before. We'll also have great family entertainment, including a kid's area, music, fantastic guest speakers, and food and drinks available all throughout the day. But the best part is everything is free. We know that you're busy and your time is valuable. That's why we do everything we can to make sure the Ag PhD Field Day is a very worthwhile investment of your time. So please, go to agphd.com to learn more, and be sure to register to join us at this year's Ag PhD Field Day, Thursday, July 27th. Insects have reigned since the dawn of time. Adapted to their surroundings. Experience the harshest climates and toughest challenges until now. With two modes of action, Ridgeback Insecticide delivers one devastating outcome for soybean aphids. Extinction from your fields. They may have lived through it all, but they won't survive this. End soybean aphids reign at ridgeback.corteva.us. The hard-working, independent spirit of rural America can often be isolating. It's not often discussed, but mental health issues are real. Now's the time to lead by example, talk openly, and show that a strong mind is just as important as a strong body. FMC is proud to be working toward ending the misconceptions around mental health. Through awareness, guidance, and action, together we can uproot the stigma. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. 
Our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. If you have an agronomic question, I'm going to dive back into the Ag PhD mailbag here. And Brian, this one comes from Mike. He said, I was reading something here uh, that came out in, in something from one of the Ag Chem companies, and they say that one fungicide in the same family does something completely different from the other fungicide. In this case, they're saying that headline fungicide keeps tomato open, but... Uh, azoxystrobin or quadris would shut the stomata. Is it that different in the same chemical family? Is that accurate? Have you ever heard that? No. No, I have not heard that. And no, what I have read, that is not, that is not accurate. So um, let's put it this way, though. Ultimately, I don't really care. I, I don't. I, I, I mean, yes, it's fun to talk about the science and to talk about, okay, this is exactly what this thing does and this is exactly how it works and everything else. Honestly, as a farmer and as an agronomist, I don't care. All I care about is, does it help my plant? Does it give me yield gain? And most importantly, does it pay? Those are the key things. Because I can make the argument on the whole stomata conversation, open is better, or I can make the argument closed is better. And you might say, well, wait a second, we'd want the stomata open so basically the plant can breathe. Well, keep in mind, if you keep the stomata closed, there's way less chance disease is going to get in because a lot of times disease will enter in through stomata. And then the other factor is moisture loss. We're suffering from severe drought again this year. This is three years of drought in a row. So... I, I granted we had flood years in 2018 and 2019 so maybe this is the retribution for the flood years or we could look at you know what we're going to have above normal moisture years coming soon um i think it's maybe a little both but anyway the point is uh, if the stomata are closed then the plant's going to retain more moisture so again i can make the argument either way but all i'll say is this we have pretty good luck with headline and we have pretty good luck with quadris they're both uh, they both have resistance issues now with many diseases. Fortunately, they both are decent on tar spot. So you kind of want to have those modes of action in with tar spot. And they both seem to have good plant health activity. So, I mean, on our farm, I will just tell you, we're using either headline or quadris, or at least the active ingredients, in almost every mix we're doing in almost every crop. All right, Mike had one more question. He said, my other my other question is, why is iron deficiency chlorosis so bad in soybeans this year? My guess is that, that there are some carryover nitrates due to the dry weather, but I've got tile that's been under some of this ground now for a number of years. Wouldn't that have taken care of it, or have the last no. few years been too dry? Too dry. So I think about our, our farm, I mean, and I'm serious, it's it's just over three years of drought now where we've had half of normal rainfall. If it doesn't rain, then stuff isn't going to get flushed out into your tile lines. So that's part of it. But the bigger factor that I look at is when it's drought, iron deficiency chlorosis is usually worse because you're pulling more salts to the soil surface. And so let, let me let me step back for just a second. Iron deficiency chlorosis is not a lack of iron in the soil. The problem is when the soil pH is over 7, then the, I'll call it good form of iron, the form that the plant can use, ferrous iron, will turn to ferric iron, and that's not good. And very often, the, the iron will get into the plant, and so you can test the plant. You do your own tissue analysis, and you go, well, wait a second, there's iron in the plant. I shouldn't be short on iron. 
but it's in the ferric form. And that's the challenge with some of these tissue tests. They don't tell you what form of iron you're dealing with in the plant. Anyway, once you get that soil pH below 7, your iron deficiency chlorosis goes away. So in, in Mike's case there, he had, he had made the comment because I read that email they'd had tile for six years. Well, the last three have been drought, so that doesn't even really count. So you only had three years where you're trying to flush all the excesses out of that soil that were potentially building up for 100 years. Is that enough time? No way. Not without very aggressive management in a dry land situation. So I would just say this. Um, we, the pH was high. So that's the first thing. If you would have lowered, if whoever this was would have lowered the pH down below seven, no IDC. Okay, but because the pH is above 7, you can still usually be very successful, and typically the varieties that you pick, if they're tolerant to iron deficiency chlorosis, they'll, they'll handle it okay, except for in these extreme cases. High salt and high nitrates amplify the situation, plus the fact that the plant is already under stress from drought. So that makes any other condition worse. So that's really what's going on. And yeah, I know it stinks. We've got issues on our farm too, not that in particular, but I, I mean, when you don't have rain, it's it's really tough to raise an amazing crop because all these other things really start to mount up. All right, Brent, let's go back to the phone lines here. We've got Casey on right now from Oregon. How you doing, Casey? Good. How are you guys? Good. Good. What can we do for you? So I, I planted some barley and it's irrigated under a pivot and years before it's been almost 24 months now we sprayed uh, medusa head and cheatgrass for or with plateau and we seem to be running into residual um, chemical die-off from it do you have any idea how long that stuff is going to stay in the ground we have i mean it's a pretty heavy clay soil but it's been irrigated for two seasons now, and it's still showing um, die-off from from that chemical. Hey, what's your soil pH, by the way? It's about a 7.2. Oh, okay. A lot of times we'll see more carryover issues in extreme situations. Um, so how about, like, salt levels or sodium, any of that kind of stuff, or any of those in excess? There's, there's spots of it that are pretty alkaline, um, yep. but not, not necessarily, and this is on a hillside too. It's a pretty, it's a pretty fairly steep hillside where it's at. So the, the moisture that hasn't collected the salts to it. Yeah. Um, I, I'll say this. So usually when we're talking about ALS herbicides, um, it well, it could go either way, and I don't remember off the top of my head if a, if Plateau and Darren maybe you can look this up um, if it carries over more in low pH like Pursuit does, or more in high pH like the sulfonyl ureas do. But anyway, if if we're talking fairly neutral pH, then it's not that big a deal. But if you look right on their label, it's going to tell you 18 to 24 months with Plateau. Uh, by the way. Uh, I would just say every year when we do our Ag PhD workshops in the winter, I have our people go through literally 
every pesticide that we are that we typically get questions about so it's uh, in this case i don't even know a thousand products and they give me the summary for a whole bunch of different crops so i just looked in our book i didn't even look on the actual label so the actual label could have changed here in the last three four months but anyway it does according to this say 18 to 24 months months but then the trick is in a lot of cases when when it's 18 to 24 months um, we're nervous. We're 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 just we're we're concerned because anything that lasts eighteen to twenty four months could absolutely extend into that next year and even beyond. So back yeah. in the days when Scepter came out, so somewhat similar chemistry to Plateau, there were a lot of people that had carryover for five years. Darren, yeah, usually it's low pH with Plateau, low on just Plateau, like yeah, just okay. like Pursuit. It's a yeah. Mazapic, and Pursuit is Imazepir. Yeah. Uh, yeah, if it's below six, it lasts longer. So generally, it, now there could be some spots in that field that are low. So that that's something where some lime could yeah, help. Yeah, and then the the reason why I asked about the sodium and the salts is herbicide breakdown doesn't occur nearly as quickly where there's excess sodium or excess salt because those are both detrimental to soil bacteria. So I, I guess what I'm saying with all this is, Casey, first of all, we feel for you. We've had similar issues like this in the past, and it's just taught us uh, to be more conservative than what the label often says. And so you'll hear that in our advice quite often here on the show. We don't like to push it just because we've had issues exactly like what you're talking about. Well, and that Medusa head is is a real problem, too, and that is what you're hearing. I know the state of Washington, same thing. They're recommending Imazepic, and they're recommending glyphosate. Those are the two things. Well, glyphosate, no herbicide carryover, so whenever you can use that, that would be the best thing you could do. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. When we told growers that New Bear Premium Trivolt Herbicide for corn delivers visibly clean fields for up to eight weeks, they were a bit skeptical. Um, we'll see how it works. So we decided to prove it. We set up cameras in multiple cornfields, treated them with Trivolt, and filmed for 24 hours a day. For eight weeks, we saw a variety of weather conditions, and Trivolt worked. See for yourself at TrivoltInAction.com. Trivolt is a restricted-use pesticide. Consult your state pesticide regulator for specific restrictions. Read and follow pesticide label directions. Your ripper is likely leaving 40% of the subsoil undisturbed. Hi, Greg Souter from 360 Yield Center. Dig behind your ripper and you'll see compacted mounds of soil left between the shanks. Traditional points just can't fracture the complete soil profile. 360 bullet ripper points are berm busters. The bullet's wide 14-inch wing shatters the full soil profile for better water infiltration and root access to nutrients. Get the full story at 360yieldcenter.com. You won't want to miss this year's Ag PhD Field Day. I'm Darren Hefty. Each summer on the last Thursday in July, we open up our farm to you so you can learn more ways to improve your farm. And the Ag PhD Field Day just keeps getting bigger and better. This year, we're featuring guided tours of our extensive research plots, world premieres of the latest ag technologies, numerous panels of the highest yielding farmers on the planet, and more equipment running in our demo area than we've ever had before. We'll also have great family entertainment, including a kid's area, music, fantastic guest speakers, and food and drinks available all throughout the day. But the best part is everything is free. We know that you're busy and your time is valuable. That's why we do everything we can to make sure the Ag PhD Field Day is a very worthwhile investment of your time. 
So please, go to agphd.com to learn more, and be sure to register to join us at this year's Ag PhD Field Day, Thursday, July 27th. Are you ready? We got the need! The need for seed treatment! Start your engines! Ready, set, Intego! Start your season strong with Intego Sweet Soybeans, Intego Fungicide Soybeans, and Intego Sweet Cereals OF from Valent USA. Ask your Valent rep about seed treatment solutions or visit valent.com slash Intego. Always read and follow label instructions. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. Get an extra semi-load out of your grain bin. The Enzone from FarmShop MFG can increase your stored beans moisture from 10 to 13%. On a 20,000 bushel bin, that's a free extra semi-load. Visit FarmShopMFG.com for more. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. Brian Hefty along with my brother Darren. We are live in the Morton studio today, right in the middle of the Ag PhD mailbag. So in our last segment, we were just talking with Casey from Oregon about his issue in barley where he's got some plateau that's carrying over. I, I, the one thing that I had forgotten to mention when we were talking before was tillage. Quite often, tillage can help a little bit. I'm not saying it's going to be a dramatic difference for you. But when you can do tillage, then that introduces more air down a little deeper into the soil. And sometimes that can get the bacteria that will break down the plateau to work a little harder, work a little quicker. They're just more active. And it also promotes the uh, the reproduction on the bacteria, the, the increasing of the counts, basically. In addition to that, heat helps, a little bit of moisture helps, and he said that it was irrigated, so that's great. Now, excess moisture can be detrimental because, as we often talk about on the show, if you don't have good drainage and you have too much water and you raise that water table up, you choke the air out, well, no air means dead bacteria. So anyway, those are just the last things that I want to make sure that I, I mention. All right. Uh, get this question that came in here from Joe up in North Dakota, and he said, I'm curious why you say that the group 19 herbicide, Diflufenzapir, is the main weed killer in status. I haven't really found any information to back that up, so just curious uh, why you say that would be the best part. Uh, I don't know, because that's what we learned when Distinct first came out like 20 years ago. Well, so. it's such a low rate of dicamba in there, right. and it works so well. Yeah, that it's, it can't possibly be the dicamba else. that's making right. that happen. Yeah, because when Distinct came out, we were talking six ounces with everybody. The equivalent on that, by the way, is seven and a half ounces of status. Well, BSF realized it worked so well, and they, they put a safener with it. Okay, that's the only difference between status and Distinct. There's a safener in the status. Oh, that and the rate's slightly different. But anyway, my point is BSF realized it works so well at six ounces. They're like, you know what? We don't even need six ounces. Let's run four. And the equivalent to that is five ounces of status. I know almost no one who's ever sprayed more than five ounces of status. So in effect, a two-thirds rate, which only gives you about four ounces of dicamba. 
Well, if you go out there with four ounces, so I'll just put it to you this way. Go spray Status and then go spray four ounces of Banville or Clarity right beside it, and it's not even close, the difference. And then go spray 16 ounces right next to that, and uh, 16 ounces of Clarity or Banville, and you'll see that even that is not equal to status. So I don't know what to tell you exactly other than it's a fact that the main weed killer in status or distinct is Difufenzapyr. The dicamba is basically just in there to help speed the plant and speed the death because dicamba is the same as 2,4-D in that it basically tries to grow the plant to death. It will accelerate growth. And you might think, well, wait a second. If we're going to accelerate growth, that sounds like a bad thing. Well, yeah, but when you're taking <laughs> a plant over the cliff, uh, it's a good thing. We're accelerating the growth. We are, in effect, going to accelerate the death, and it makes that appear work a little bit better. All right. Uh, head back to the phone lines here. Got Ryan up in Wisconsin uh, next. Ryan, how are you doing today? Good. How are you? Good. Good. What can we do for you? Well, I got a question for you. We're here in Wisconsin. Um, we've got a, a food processing plant near us, and we, we haul some products out of there besides farming. And uh, they have some calcium carbonate um, that they're looking to get rid of. Um, haven't done much homework on it yet. Just thought I'd pick your guys' brain. Is that something that would uh, be beneficial for us or, or not? Uh, let me first ask you this, Ryan. What's the cost on getting that calcium carbonate, or as we would call it, lime? They're they're looking to get rid of it. Yeah, that's oh, what I perfect. figured. Can perfect. I, I, I always like, like that. free. Free is great. <laughs> yep, that gets me real <laughs> interested. Okay, so here's our suggestion for you. Get some samples and send that in for analysis. And when you send it in for analysis, don't just get a regular Lyme test run. I mean, it's fine to get a regular Lyme test done too. We need that information. But we also want to know what else is in there, like literally every nutrient. Because we get wastewater treatment Lyme, and it's amazing. It's free. It's very small in terms of the particle size. And it has all kinds of iron and manganese and, I mean, in addition to the calcium. So some really good stuff that then we don't have to go spend money on. Like on our farm, we needed more manganese. Well, my gosh, manganese, like manganese sulfate's expensive. Well, this stuff, I got it for free. I lined my soil and got the manganese out there for nothing. I'm going, oh, my Gosh, this is amazing. I hate to even tell anybody else about it because I want it for myself. But no, we, we got enough for our farm. We're in good shape for probably the rest of my life now. But anyway, we, we just have to test it. Once we test it, then we can tell you. So our general statement, though, is without testing, we're just guessing like anybody else is. And also, don't trust. And the, the plant there may be perfectly legitimate and honest and everything else, but I never trust anybody else's data. I always want my own. Just get a sample or get two, three different samples from different areas of the pile or whatever and send it in and let's see what it is. And if you want to send those to us, uh, we'd be more than happy to take a look at them for you. Yeah, yeah, that'd be great help. Um, now, did you guys, the stuff that you were getting, was that dry or were yes. you dealing with the moisture? Well, yeah, I mean, it's wet, so um, I don't remember the moisture percentage, but it was wet enough that you couldn't run it through a normal fertilizer spreader. So with these okay. waste, okay. Yeah, yeah. with these wastewater plants, there will be usually a, an independent contractor who has the rights to that lime, so basically he can go spread it for people because most people don't have that kind of spreader. Sure, sure. 
Okay. Okay. Yeah, it's coming out of a soy sauce plant, so uh, the salt content is, is usually there, too. Yeah, and that's that's the other thing. We want to make sure we're testing for that because there's a limit to it. It's just like we talk about manure and compost and things like that. A lot of people are always asking us, okay, well, what's your limit on nitrogen or what's your limit on the phosphorus? And I go, whoa, before we ever even talk about that, we have to talk about salt. We always want to talk about what hurts us first. We're limited there, and then we can talk about the things in there that will help us. Sure, sure. All right. Well, that um, that sets me on the right track. Okay. Well, thanks, Ryan. Good luck over there. Yep. Yep. Thank you. All right. Got some soil samples that came in here. I think we might have enough time to get through this. This comes from Chris. He said, we're down in southeast Missouri, conventional till, furrow irrigation, raising corn, soybean, and rice. We're using dry fertilizer and doing variable rate. We're also doing in-furrow and two-by-two. Trying to start balancing our soils. So I'm curious, where would you start? Here's uh, a few samples from our farm. Okay, let's see. So I got a I don't few summary have, sheets there. Yeah, I'm looking at the summary sheets, and the problem is I don't have copper, I don't have manganese, uh, I don't have iron. So we're not, I can't give you all the in- information that you're going to need. But I can say, uh, hey, this is relatively light soil. We're around 10 for cation exchange capacity, so it's not going to be able to hold the leachable nutrients like nitrogen, sulfur, and boron like a heavy soil would. But when we start talking phosphorus, you got a malic 3 phosphorus level here. On average, I'll call it 13. You're not going to raise much crop on a 13 malic 3. And your base saturation K is down at 2, which means uh, you got K levels as low as 68 parts per million. So you need P and K. That's the first thing. And then we, we I mean, from there, we're going to talk about ratios, phosphorus to copper, phosphorus to zinc, things like that. Usually it's 10 to 1 phosphorus to zinc approximately and 30 to 1 phosphorus to copper. Uh, but, I mean, those are the main things that you got to work on right away. The pH is actually pretty good. You're in the sixes for the most part. So I wouldn't get too worried about that. Magnesium looks fine. Uh, calcium's not terrible. So, yeah, I, I mean, it's it's P and K, first of all. Yeah, you got to start with the big ones, and you got to make money. So that's another thing, too, as you get started trying to, to change things. Start on one field, hey, and you're experimenting with some I, different yeah, things. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up you have to make money. So it, it really varies depending on your situation. So in other words, you're going to probably treat things a little differently when you're 20 years old versus when you're 40, and almost for sure definitely different when you're 60 or 70. Here's my point. When you get established and you have money, and let's say you have a whole bunch of other ground and you pick up a new field that's like this, you go, you know what? I don't care if I make money in year one. I'm going to farm it for the next 30, 40 years. So what? I'm just going to fix this ground. I'm going to get it in good shape, and then we'll go from there. Now, granted, as good as commodity prices are today, I I almost don't care what you spend on fertilizer in this particular field. You should hopefully be able to make some money. So I'm not super worried about that part today, but I am saying we always want to be thinking about the long term in that soil in addition to today. All right. Thanks for the question. And thanks to you for listening today. Coming up later this month, as you heard a couple times during the show, is the Ag PhD Field Day, Thursday, July 27th. You can find all the details at agphd.com. But don't forget to join us again each weekday right here on Ag PhD Radio.